Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's up, USG fam? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and I'm very excited to welcome St. Joseph's men's basketball video specialist, Chris Flegler, onto the podcast today. Prior to joining the Hawks staff in 2021, Chris was on staff with Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Charlotte, North Carolina, as well as coaching at the high school level at Cardozo High School in the college level as an assistant coach at St. Mary's College of Maryland, ASA College Brooklyn, in Livingstone College. Chris, thanks for taking the time to join the show today. Thanks for having me, Noah. Man, you just took me down memory lane right there. <laughs> just hear, hearing all those different stops. Um, man, a lot of memories, but thanks yes, for having sir. me. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk about those memories today. And, you know, Chris, I want to start with the most important aspect of your life, which is obviously your faith in, in, in Christ and your journey with Jesus. And just start by telling me about your faith journey and when you really gave your life to Christ. Hmm. I'm glad you said the the really part, because um, <laughs> I, I remember going to a play when I was in the eighth grade. It was called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames, hmm. and uh, saw this play, and it, it really is scared. It scared the I don't know the life out of me or the death out of me, whatever it was. It scared me, and um, and at the end of the play, they did like an altar call, and they was like, "Anybody want to come and and get a life?" No, I was like, "I'll, I'll come. I just don't want to go to hell." Um, <laughs> And so I, I went down and I guess that you could say I, I gave my life to Christ that day, maybe. But um, as I got older and, and, and matured, I, I learned that, you know, at that moment I was coming to God out of fear. And, mm -hmm. I you know, I, I think that the fear of God is something that we definitely have to have just yeah. because he is the almighty one. Uh, but I didn't know I didn't know him as a God of love. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I went so many years just kind of like playing the fence. I was like a professional fence sitter, like just kind of playing both sides. And um, when I, t in 2011, uh, my, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, I started to go to church with her and her parents. Mm. And, um, and I really began to know God uh, through a lens of love, yeah. um, started to grow in my relationship with him. And so like really to get, learn what it means to, to follow him and to give my life to him and to surrender mm -hmm. um and so yeah that happened for me um about 13 years ago wow. um and, I, and, I, and i'm super thankful yeah chris i appreciate you sharing and i love i love that you touched on the fear of god i think for so many of us as kids right we hear that message of heaven and hell and obviously being young and naive we don't really fully grasp that at the time but it, it's amazing to see that god used that that play and that interaction to really move in your life and then using a relationship later on and you know, Chris, I think, too, what many of us forget is how powerful our testimony is. And that's really why I wanted you to share that today. I think about you read the you read Acts, right? And you read about Paul's ministry. 
And every synagogue he entered to share about Christ, what he did was share his own story because it was impactful. Uh, so I think for us, right, working in sports, working in this industry, we can really use our testimony as a vehicle for others to know to Jesus and really how he's impacted our lives. So I appreciate you sharing on that. I, I think it's cool. impactful for all of us, and we all have a story, um, in the, and it's amazing to be able to share it. Yeah, because going back to the, the fear part, I, like the what the fear did without knowing the love, it made mm. me avoid God. Yeah. And so I would, I would fall into sin or I would I would sin. Mm. Uh, I would choose to sin and I would know that I was wrong because I would get convicted because I mm. and because I had this fear of God, I would just avoid him. Yeah. And then when I came to know him as a God of, of love and and of forgiveness, um, an unconditional love yeah. that I could come to him when I sin and I would not have to avoid him because I think that I'm going to be punished or rejected, mm. but to know like that he'll embrace me and he'll, you know, wipe this slate clean as he already has done through Christ. And, and he'll allow me to just, he'll, he'll put, you know, he'll, 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 he'll lift me up and, uh, and allow me to, to be stronger as, as mm. I go on. Yeah. Um, and so that love is really what drew me in. Whereas yeah. the fear is kind of like, and so it's a balance that we have mm. to have where it's like having the, the, the fear of, the knowledge of God, which is just a, a reverence. It's a healthy respect. Mm, yeah. Same way you would for a parent yeah. who has created you and, mm. and nurtures you and provides for you. Mm. Uh, but then you you also know that your parent loves you. So you go and you talk to them when you're down or when you messed up or when you mm. succeed. It's like through whatever it is, like my father loves me yeah. so I can come to him. Mm. And so um I think that the fear definitely was necessary and God doesn't make any mistakes and yeah. all this stuff is ordained with how we come into our relationship with him. And so it was just a process yeah. um, that God had worked, was had worked out through me and is continuing mm. to work in and through me um, on my journey with him. Amazing, Chris. And I, I thought about Romans 4 when Paul says, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And that truly is, I think, so elemental in our understanding of who God is. If we don't grasp his kindness and his grace, I think we miss out on the joy that comes in a, in a relationship with Christ. So I love that you, I love that you shared that, right? Because I think we've all fallen into either, either ditch, right? We don't fear God enough or we fear him too much, right? I think there's, there's both sides of that. So it's gotta be a healthy respect and a healthy reverence that leads us to understand how good God is, not just how, how scary he is, right? Uh, cool. So I appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely. Yeah. And Chris, obviously basketball is a passion for you. As I shared in the intro, you, you've been a lot of places with this game. It's taking you a lot of places. And I think the challenging part for a young person in, in the sport industry, but in any industry, is finding what path is best for them. So how did you know that basketball was the career path you wanted to pursue? Mm. I didn't know. Mm. Um it's, it's weird. I got man, I got stories for days, but uh, my grandfather started calling me coach when I was 16 years old. And it was just because I mean, we were, we were always around the game. Um, and I had a younger cousin. We were, I mean, we were literally only six months apart and he's a, he coaches now. Hmm. Uh, and he was a big time player in the DMV uh, where we we're from. Hmm. And uh, and I was like, you know how people talk about the the, the the high school parents or the AAU dads, and like yes. that was me at sixteen. <laughs> and so, like <laughs> on the way to the games, we were talking about the game and like preparation, and hmm. and uh, during the games, I was like on the sideline. Like sometimes I would be 
a little more demonstrative than others. Other times I just put, kind of played it low key. But after the games, we would always break it down and, mm. and analyze things. And um, and my grandfather just started calling me coach, but I had never actually thought about coaching. I was just wanting my my cousin to be successful mm. uh, and to do well. And so um, in 2009, so you just fast forward all these years and I, you know, I go through my own stuff, like playing in junior college and all these things. And um, and I was at a point where I really didn't know what I was going to do uh, with my life. So I was like wanting to get into acting um, <laughs> and, and just do a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. And I was working at a soul food restaurant in D.C. Shout out to Ooze and Oz. Mm. Um, go pick them up. It's really good soul food in D.C. <laughs> um, but I was I was working there. I worked there for a number of years and um and the owner, I actually was living with the the owner. Me, me and his uh, his stepson are really close friends to this day. Hmm. And um, and so it was right across the street from the junior high school that like all of my family went to, and up the street from Cardozo High School, which was one of the, my stops in coaching, and hmm. right across the street from the uh, housing projects that my family grew up in Washington D.C. Hmm. And so um, I always was a person that was like a a mentor or a leader hmm. and so the kids from this junior high school they would get out of school and they would like just be causing a ruckus in the neighborhood like at the train station like getting into stuff like going into the cvs getting into stuff hmm. and, and I would come outside and i would just like kind of talk to them and try to share some wisdom hmm. um and so i mean the owner he he, he saw that um, and I saw I'm getting to the part. And so um, one night we were watching and then all, always every day after the game, like me and my friends would go and play basketball, mm -hmm. you know, in the summertime um, or in the wintertime, we would go play in the indoor gym. Mm -hmm. um, but we were watching the Cleveland Cavaliers versus Orlando Magic uh, playoffs in 2001. I believe it was game one when LeBron had hit that half court shot. And I, I want to say Cleveland lost 4-1 that series um because orlando went to the championship and lost mm. to the lakers shout out to my guy kobe bryant mm. um that year but uh, we were watching the game and and Aji is his name Aji said to me he said who's the owner who's not he said chris like you love kids and you love basketball like why don't you be a coach mm. and i was like just i just pondered on it and it stuck with me mm. like the entire night so the next morning we were on our way to uh, go and get all of the food for the restaurant. And and I asked him, I said, yo, Oz, like you, you, you brought up this thing about coaching last night. Like, tell me more. Like, what, what, what like, why would you say that? And he's kind of just kind of goes into it about the things that he sees in me. Hmm. And uh, he says, uh, he says, if you want to coach. So in DC, we have this thing called the Goodman league. Like um, it's like the Rucker Park or Dykeman in New hmm. York. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the top players in DC play there. And um, he was like, if you, if you want to coach, like you can, I'll, I'll pay for us to have a team for the restaurant, to have a team in the league. And mm -hmm. so like I, all of my friends like play like division one or division two or mm -hmm. professional basketball overseas. And so I, we just put a team together. I had been going down there for years, like watching my friends play and being a part of that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we put a team together. And that was the first team I ever coached, coaching my friends. And we did pretty well that year. Got a, a whole host of, of, of names that you guys would recognize yeah. that played for me on that team. And then that kind of led into me coaching high school basketball at Cardozo. Mm. 
that that next fall mm-hmm. and um and then from there i mean that was in 2009 and now here we are mm-hmm. um 14 years later and it's just like it really just happened because people saw something in me from my grandfather mm-hmm. to the owner of the restaurant um it wasn't something that i really had sought out to do but once i started doing it i really couldn't see myself doing anything else mm-hmm. It's amazing, Chris. I, I love that story because there was multiple steps along your journey that led you to understand that. And I think coaching is something that is, is a gift from God in a lot of ways because not everybody's designed to coach, right? I think that's so so evident in the leadership nature and in the, um, the co- competitive drive nature behind coaching. And so I, I'm encouraged that there's people in your life that were sharing that to you. Um, and, and I think for our listeners as well, right, it's good to have people around you who provide wisdom and guidance, whether it be a mentor, and we'll talk more about mentors later, um, or, or somebody just in your life who is giving you that guidance. So um, a lot to learn from, from your story there. And I think obviously coaching was a destiny for you. Um, a lot of people were speaking in that um, were speaking that to you throughout your life. So really cool to hear that, Chris. And I'm glad it's something you're still you're still doing and still pursuing. Me too. Yes, sir. And Chris, really a, another tough aspect for young professionals is having this desire, right, to coach, but not really knowing how to get the foot in the door, how to really start a career in in college or pro basketball. And so my question for you, Chris, is obviously you've been to many different organizations and and universities and colleges. How did you get your start in this industry and get your foot in the door, per se? Man, so that happened um, right around that same time. It was So I coached one year at Cardozo. And um, and I never once I started coaching high school, I, I honestly never wanted to leave. Hmm. Uh, I had grown such um, an affinity for like the players that I coached there. Hmm. Um, there were so many different guys there that I could relate to hmm. and the ability to to help them develop uh, was something that I became really, really passionate about. And it's something that I found true purpose. in. Hmm. Um, and so. It was it was hard, but I'll, I'll tell you how it happened. So we were at a Christmas tournament hmm. and, as you know, it was Christmas tournament. High school is a bunch of different schools playing. So I was I stayed to scout the game after us because we would play the winner of it. Mm-hmm. And it was the Murray school. And I don't even remember who their opponent was. So I guess I just gave it away The Murray school won, and we ended up playing them. Yeah. And so out in the Murray school and I'm just looking, I'm like, wow, like this team is is really fundamental, fundamentally sound. And so for me, I had grown to really appreciate love and understand the fundamentals of the game because mm. I didn't come from a coaching tree. And I started, like, when I got into coaching, I had all these John Wooden books. I have mm. John Wooden, uh, the creed I live by, like the seven points of creed right here on my wall now mm. in my office. And, um, and so I was studying him, and, and it was all about fundamentals. And so I'm looking at this team and I'm like, man, it's so fundamentally sound. So before our game the next day, I th- when we were to play Murray, I went up to the coach. His name was Garrett O'Donnell. And I said, yo, coach, like, uh, pleasure to meet you. Looking forward to competing today. Just want to let you know, like, I, I really appreciate the way that your team plays. Like, got a chance to watch you guys today. And I'm just looking forward to the opportunity to play you guys today. So we played um, and we kept in contact throughout the year and going mm-hmm. into the summer. And so... The school that I coached at, Cardozo Senior High School on 11th Street, Northwest Washington, D.C., mm. um, is a public school. And 
and it's right in inner city uptown Washington DC and Murray school is maybe two to three miles away, but it's in the upper Northwest section where it's like $40,000 a year for tuition. Um, senators and politicians and like lawyers and doctors, like this is the school that their kids mm -hmm. are able to go to. And what I wanted to do for the, the boys that play for us at Cardozo was I wanted to open up their world and to expose them to something that was bigger than just their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Because I believe if you can see something and you can start to be believe it and then if you can try to achieve it. Yeah. Um, and so I would do things like that. Like I would bring them poems. We would mm -hmm. watch documentaries all trying to open up the world. And so I, t I called Coach O'Donnell. I said, I would love to bring my guys up to Murray to have the experience of just working out with your guys in the summertime. He said, man, Chris, like, come on. Like, I will, I will welcome that. And so my guys, we would, we would hop in a couple cars or we would catch the Metro up to Murray. And, uh, and we did that for a few weeks, just working out with them. And so summer goes on, we play in summer leagues, all this stuff. And, you know, I'm all ready. I'm recruiting for our, our, our team, like from the junior highs for the next season. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and coach, O'Donnell just hits me up randomly and he was like, hey, Chris, like, have you ever thought about coaching college? And I was like, "Nah, I'm, I honestly have never thought about it. And he said, well, I want to introduce you to um, my, a friend of mine from my alma mater, St. Mary's College, Coach Chris Harney. Mm -hmm. They have a great team down there. And I think that you mm -hmm. would be a good fit. Would you like the opportunity to meet him? And I was like, yeah, I'll meet him. And so I go and I, and I meet Coach Harney. And I come back and I'm talking again to the owner from from the restaurant and, and a couple of my friends. And so I've got offered this opportunity now to go coach Division three at St. Mary's College, but mm -hmm. I didn't want it. And so I, I told those guys, like, I, I want to like I, I understand like this opportunity, but I don't want to leave these guys. If I leave, what's going to happen to Dion? What's going to happen to Alarion? What's going to happen to um to Josh? Like what, what what's going to happen to these guys if I leave because I could I can feel the impact that I'm having and and something very profound was said to me that I'll never forget and what was said to me was Chris like I get it that you love these kids and he said this is going to sound bad but these kids are always going to be here mm. maybe not like those kids but like there's always going to be kids here for you to coach he was like I think that you should go and better yourself and then when you come back, you will have more to give them. Mm. And, uh, and it was really profound for me. And that was a moment where I just kind of like had to be coachable and had to trust like the people that God clearly was like surrounding me with and putting into my life and, and really just to step out on faith mm. because I didn't know like I was really comfortable um, and, and felt like I had purpose and was having an impact. Mm. And so I just kind of just stepped out. And that's really how I got my foot in the door was just literally by stepping out on faith yeah, and, and being coachable. Absolutely, Chris. And I think that's one of the hardest parts about a young career in sports is you got to get uncomfortable. You got to go to new places, maybe even a school you're not familiar with or it's in a division you're not really used to being a part of. Um, oftentimes those early opportunities are not the high level D1 schools, as we'll chat about later on, but it's definitely something you want to grow in right and you want to you want to step into and chris kind of a follow-up question how did you how did you manage being uncomfortable how did you manage that next step 
of jumping to the college level of man like now i got to be uncomfortable man um i don't know i don't know how i managed it um because i and, and remember like i didn't start dating adia until 2011 so this was two, this was a year before mm-hmm. in 2010 so it wasn't like i was managing it by like really like trusting like that god had did this it was rough for me my first year it was many mm-hmm. times that i questioned it like did i yeah. do the right thing yeah. um i was out far out in southern maryland all by myself not making a lot of money at all um living in a in a a <laughs> a makeshift room like i didn't even have a door on my room i shared a house with the other coaches and it was a uh it was a dining room that i actually that was my room and then we just kind of got um the same thing you would use for um in the office a uh what's like a a cubicle and you just kind of put like that border up yeah um i had one of those like as the door Mm. for my room to have some type of privacy um my coach, Coach Harney had given me a car. Um, and it was just, it was, it was really uncomfortable. I was co- I was mm. training middle school kids just to try to make the ends meet. Um, and I don't know. I just I I I dove into the work. I guess that's that I guess that's how I did it. I just as uncomfortable was as it was, I just dove into the work. Yeah. Um I I, fa- I just w- found a way to be myself. Like mm. it was the same things that the impact that I was able to have at the high school level is like. Okay, these guys are a little bit older, but I'm found myself still able to have mm. these this same type of impact by just building genuine relationships mm. and pouring into these guys and serving these guys without even knowing that that's what I, I mean. I was just being myself, and so just diving into the work of mm. uh, helping the guys, yeah. you know, become better. Uh, that was, I guess, that was how I managed it. Yeah, Chris, and I love that testimony, and and I think about. So many young people see coaches at the D1 level, right? And it's it's assumed that they just got there like in a couple of years, right? You know, it's a couple of years of grinding, working, and you're there. But I think people forget the sacrifices you have to make along the way. And a lot of that is financial sacrifice. It's, it's not having nice things, right? It's borrowing cars. It's living in a unique situation, kind of as you mentioned. And those sacrifices, if you love the game, <clears throat> excuse me, can be worth it. Um, and, and I think that testimony you just shared is, is proof in the pudding, right, that as you go through this journey of playing um, or being a coach at this level, um, it, it's going to be a challenge and there's going to be sacrifices that have to be made. So I appreciate that testimony. And, and yeah, as well, too, of diving into the work, loving the work. I think that's something I want to mention, too, is a lot of young people look at what it's like to coach in, in March Madness, like, oh, man, I'd do anything to get there. But what about coaching at this these other levels, right? Do you love the game? Do you have a love for the work? And if you don't, it might be a challenge to get through some of those those times of sacrifice. That's true. Absolutely. And you know, Chris, a lot of your early experiences, as we touched on, um, you know, it was at the junior college level, Division two level, D three level. To share with us what those experiences at those smaller institutions really taught you about the industry of coaching. And do you feel like you benefited from working at smaller institutions as opposed to starting your career at a large D1 institution? Oh, absolutely. That's a great question. Absolutely. I benefited Mm -hmm. 100% from from the journey that I was on and that I've been on to get to to this point. Um, So many, so many lessons to be learned. I mean... 
And one, you talk about like like finances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you learn how to do more with less. Yeah. Um, just as a as a as a as a person, mm. uh, because you you don't have just a, a money to kind of just blow mm. through. Um, you have to be really strategic. Totally. Um, you have to you have to plan and be organized. Yeah. Um, so I, I I learned that in my first eight years of coaching, I made a total of fifteen thousand dollars in eight years from actually coaching basketball. And the fifteen thousand dollars didn't come until my eighth year. Hmm. So the seven years prior to that, it was all volunteering. Wow. Um, and so it's just learning how to how to do less with more um as far as institutionally and being at those those different schools um i mean you just kind of learn from people that that you're around i mean there's mm-hmm. great coaches at every level yeah um uh, coach harney st mary's i mean we went to the uh national we lost in the elite eight my first mm-hmm. year nationally wow. we were the top 10 ranked program in the country mm-hmm. uh two years after i left they went to the final four but i learned so much mm-hmm. from him um in that program that is a part of me today. Mm-hmm. Um, going to the junior college level, we had tremendous success and was top 25 ranked team in the country and wow. learning from Coach Wilcox and, and Coach Martinez. Just so many things that are still with me um, to this day. And then the same thing at, at Livingstone, like our coach is really creative with how he he switched up defenses mm-hmm. um, and, and just his, his philosophy. And so you just, you learn a lot. But I mean, I think the one constant is that that doesn't change no matter what the level is that you're working with people. Mm. Um, and so at our core, like we're all the same. So even though the levels may be different, mm. like for the most part, the people are the same. Everybody has a dream. Everybody yeah. has something that they're pursuing. <laughs> Everybody has something that they're going mm. through that they're dealing with. Um, and so it's just, when you just know how to connect with people, it's almost mm. like to that degree, the level doesn't really, matter right like the same like the same dream that my guys had at division three or division two of being the best player that they could be are the mm. same it's the same dream that the guys have here at st joe's it's good um and so meeting people where they are mm. and and being committed to helping them develop mm. um it kind of keeps things simple um regardless of the level but those are those are some of the things that i've learned mm-hmm. it's just like as much as is there's is different on mm. the on the surface, when you kind of really dive into it, it's all the same. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And I think what really stands out to me about <clears throat> about your journey is you took those proper steps to become a good coach. And, and I think that's honestly the hardest part for a lot of young people is just trying to see like, man, this journey is arduous. It can seem long, right? You talked about eight years, $15,000. Like, man, that's a lot of perseverance, right? But I think to your point, you learned just as much in these in these different organizations at junior college level, D1, D2, D3. You've been at all of them, right? So you know better than anyone else that there is a, a similarity between them all. And I, I love that you pointed that out, right? Because when you're a coach getting into this industry, and in really any part of this industry, coaching or not, you get into it because you love what you're doing. You love the elements of what you're doing, not just the glitz and the glam behind, you know, the gear and and the arenas and the travel, like that stuff's great, but that's not really why you do it. So um, I think that's really just what I found profound about your journey is, is that aspect of it, of your journey and through all these different, you know, different programs, different backgrounds, different players, but in it all, 
it was that love for the game and love for coaching that drove you to continue um, staying in the course. So I appreciate you sharing. And, and really, I, I just want our listeners to, to, to learn from you that you can take these opportunities, right, and still reach where you are right now, which is that Division One sure. level. It doesn't, you know, make you stuck there forever. And, and I think it's it's smart to take those opportunities. So I appreciate Absolutely. you sharing that, Chris. It's it's a, it's a profound journey you were on, and obviously a lot of years of coaching at some great schools and, and learning along the way. Still on it, man. Haven't yes, arrived. Sir. Probably will never arrive. Never but arrive. Going. It's going to keep going. Absolutely, Chris. And Chris, one part of your story that I really, I really love and I think is powerful for our listeners is you spent some time working with Fellowship of Christian Athletes as a character coach and as well a pastoral intern with the church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Just share with us why you decided to step away from the game for a period to dive into some full-time ministry and really serve the Lord. Man, that was God's plan. I, I did not plan for things to go that way. Like once I started on this college coaching journey, I didn't think that I was going to have a, a year or two or three where I was not going to be hmm. actually coaching basketball. That wasn't, that was a divine intervention. And it's, it's crazy looking at it right now. It's cause like we always, you know, we, we use even the word divine intervention. It's always when something favorable hmm. happened. Yeah. Um, and actually it, looking back on it, it, it it's very favorable hmm. that it happened, but it didn't feel like that in a moment. And so, um, I'll take it, take us back to 2017 and the um, season ended at Livingstone and, you know, just kind of seeing what, you know, as the off season comes and it's like, okay, what's, what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just working a, a bunch of different college camps. So I worked the camp. We were living in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time. Livingstone was in Salisbury, about 45 minutes North of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I went to work a camp at Davidson, college with coach Bob McKillop and uh actually got connected through it from my head coach at division three St. Mary's Chris Harney um and so I'm, I'm working the camp as a it was a four-day um overnight camp hmm. and I went home and, and at that time like our lease was about to be up and um I didn't know like I what what was going to be next I just knew that I was going to be searching for a new opportunity hmm. and um and I was in between and some of the places that I had like on the table, I really did not feel led to take it. I didn't think that it was going to be good for my marriage. Um, I didn't feel like we were, it was time for us to move. Mm. And so um, I came home from that camp. i never forget. It was on a Thursday. It was, uh, it was July 12th, mm. 2017. And I, I, I walk in the house and, and it's like, you know, early camps and early the overnight camps. And they give you your check and it ends at like mm-hmm. noon. So I, I go home midday and I tell my wife, I'm like, babe, like, I don't know what's next, mm-hmm. but I don't feel led from God for us to leave here. Um, and so I don't have a coaching job. I don't know if I'm going to get one, but the jobs I have on the table, I don't feel like I'm supposed to take. So mm-hmm. let's just go down and, and, and re-sign the lease and trust God. And that was the first time, 2017, that I really like stopped trying to figure things out on my own. It was almost like a surrender moment. Like, God, like I don't, I have no peace about making a decision. Like, I'm just going to trust you. Hmm. I'm just going to trust you. And I remember my wife telling me when I was a junior college coach, she told me one time, she said, uh, she said, Chris, uh, basketball is a God to you. 
It's a it's a lowercase G-O-D. Hmm. And she said, and until God is God alone, like big G O D, like the things that you dream and aspire and that's in you to accomplish as a coach, she's like, it's not gonna happen. God hmm. won't won't allow it to. Hmm. And I would and to me, I was taken aback because I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I go to church, I take my players to church with me, like and she's just like it's 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 everything for you it's 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 your idol like you idolize it it's all you you think about it's all you talk about it's all like every conversation like it's just about that and you know over the years i i could see like what she meant but i really couldn't see but again i'm on this journey and i'm growing in my relationship so in 2017 like it was the first time where i was just like god i'm just gonna trust you Hmm. like i don't know what's next but I trust you. And so I get a job at the local YMCA in Lake Norman. Hmm. And and I worked there for about 10 months. And and all I knew was like, okay, it's sports, it's kids. Like to me, it's kind of it ain't the same, but it is the same. So I can I can do this. It makes sense to me. And so I go from coaching. No, I go from coaching. Division two college basketball to coach at five year old soccer on the weekends. <laughs> and it ain't the same, bro. No way. <laughs> <laughs> but even that experience, it taught me patience. Mm, um, which good. I feel like I, I lacked a little bit because I mean it's a five year old. They're not they're not driven to win a national championship. They right. just out there trying to have fun. Yeah. And so it, it taught me it taught me a great deal of patience that I needed. Uh, not just as a coach, but as a husband. Mm. Um, and and so during the week, I would go out and I would have to like paint the soccer fields to get the to get the field ready for the games on the weekend. It was three fields, and but while I'm out there painting them, like it's just me and God. Mm. Like that's it. I have nothing else to. I don't have a game. I don't have a practice. I don't have an individual workout. I have none of those things to distract me. God had literally isolated me and took me into a season of wilderness where it's just hmm. me and him. Yeah. And during that time, though, I would listen to messages from different pastors. Like, so while I'm out there on the soccer field, I got my headphones on and I'm listening to different sermons. I'm listening to the Bible app. I'm listening to my worship music. And I'm just growing in a level of intimacy with God that I had never had before. And that all was a part of his plan. That was this divine intervention. Mm. Um, and so then that led to me, um, the, the church that we were attending, I was serving there faithfully, just like as, a, you know, in the men's ministry, like as one of the brothers in the church. Um, and then the pastor saw something in me, knew my coaching background and offered me an opportunity to come and just be on staff. Um, mm. And not really full time, but like wow. part time internship. But yeah. Um, I looked at it as a as another opportunity to just kind of learn and to grow as a leader and to serve. Hmm. Um, so I did that for um, a few months, and then I started to. And then I got the opportunity. Just another crazy God ordained story about um, how Coach Sanchez and I, University of UNC Charlotte, connected, hmm. and how my church was connected with the director of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes on Charlotte's campus. Um, and you know, that opportunity kind of opened up for me to serve as the character coach and the team chaplain for the UNC Charlotte, Mm. uh, men's basketball program. And so God was just doing this thing where he was just kind of bringing me back into Mm. it, like 
as like the basketball arena mm-hmm. at the division one level and or at the college level, but not fully allowing me yeah. to be on the court. Yeah. But just not in a in a in a whole nother capacity where I I got to just get a, a, an elevated perspective of what this coaching thing is mm. and, and and what really matters. Mm. Um that's huge. And so God just his divine intervention just kind of worked. Like Man. Romans eight twenty eight, all things together for yeah. good. Um, and so I don't even remember what the question was, but you I, an- I hope I answered it. You answered it perfectly, Chris. And, and and really, what I want our listeners to get from that story is one: I think ministry is a powerful platform for God to work in us, right? And obviously, ministry is a platform to to impact others with Christ, and that's and that's what it's for. Is God uses us in that way, but. Chris, you said a few things that really stood out to me. One is the opportunities that you had, you felt like weren't good for your marriage. And, and I think that is a really godly way to look at job opportunities. And for our listeners, a lot of them are not in that stage of life yet. But at some point when you are, right, you have to make those decisions with your your wife and family in mind, which can be a huge challenge. And so that really stood out to me of family first, right? And, and, and Christ calls us in Ephesians 5 to love our wives as he loved the church which takes sacrifice, right? And so that commitment you made was something that you valued. And, and I love hearing that as well as using, or basketball being a God and, and using it as, as an idol in your life, I think is so common amongst coaches because you love the game, right? You can't really help that you love the game, but do you love the game more than God is the question. And so for our listeners, right, you, you may not know that answer right now, is, is basketball an idol for you? But in your decisions and your actions and the way you treat people and the way you coach, Right? Do you turn God off on the court? That's one thing mm-hmm. I, w- I always ask young people: is Do you turn God off on the court and turn Him back on after you you leave practice? Because He should be influencing everything, including your coaching. And so I appreciate you sharing that part as well for our young people to be challenged by that. And, and I guess a follow up question, Chris, is: How did working in ministry make you a better coach? Obviously, you're back in it now. How did that time away? ministering to people through through the pastoral intern uh, position as well as fca make you a better coach man i mean you you just said it when you said like that question you asked people it's like do you turn god off Mm. um the way it made me a better coach is that god was always on Mm. like it's it's, i'm coaching through his spirit and and for anyone who doesn't know like he's undefeated god has never Law. So you talk about we have these conversations about who's the goat. Um, God's the greatest of all time. He's mm-hmm. he's never lost. His record Amen. is unblemished. He's he's undefeated. Amen. And and who better to work for mm. and to work through? Mm. And and so is that's that's really how it's, it's helped to make me a better coach. I'm, I have a, a clear understanding of what really matters, mm-hmm. and that's that's like a that's a compass for me. Mm-hmm. And so it leads every conversation. Yeah. It leads every piece of constructive criticism. It leads it leads the words that I choose to speak. Um, mm-hmm. It leads my actions. It, it leads my interactions. It leads like everything, and it's. It's making me a better coach. It, it, it's almost like the Holy Spirit does is it's just it, it gives you a light. Um Amen. That that number one, like people are attracted to. They don't know why. Like, but it's something different. They might can't put their finger on, hmm. but they're attracted to it. Yeah. Um, and it is it, it means being in ministry, like just in a 
in a vocational way, like it, it helped me to become a better listener hmm. uh, because I wasn't the one that was barking the orders. Yeah. It was me sitting back and observing hmm. and listening. So it, it made me a better listener. It made me um, more observant, um, again, more patient in my, and gracious in my approach. Um, because as a, as a team chaplain and character coach, like my, my only method of trying to like help you and get through to you wasn't to get you on the court and, and put you through drills to help you mm-hmm. get better. It was really like trying to find a way to, to, to reach your heart yeah, um, and kind of just like talk to you and, and get you to understand things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then just listening and being there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's, that's, that's one of the, the ways that I've become a better coach because it's mm. just I, I have this capacity to just be there. Um, yeah. A lot of times that's what people need. Absolutely. And if you're there and you're available, my coach says all the time, like your best ability yeah. is your availability. Yes. And so being there, being available, um, it allows intimacy to happen in relationships to where now, like, I can – you know, maybe get through to guys with the little bit that I know. Yeah. So. Absolutely, Chris. And, and really what I think I learned from that response, it was amazing, is basketball is a ministry. Basketball is, whether you're in vocational ministry with FCA or Athletes in Action or whether you're coaching, you're in ministry because ministry doesn't stop, right? You don't you don't turn off that ministry activity in your life because, honestly, if you're claiming Christ, other people look at you as an example of who he is, right? And so the way we live, the way, as you talked about, you coach with your actions and your words, the way you give criticism, all those things are going to tell other people who is Christ because Chris is claiming to follow Christ. Noah is claiming to follow Christ, but he's treating me this way. What does that say about Christ? And and we're not perfect, but actions do really matter. And, And I love that you pointed that out, that as a result of this break from coaching and being in vocational ministry and being a team chaplain and a character coach, led you to see that more clearly. I think that's, to your point, it's divine intervention in a way that you were challenged and equipped to go back into it in in a really powerful way. And Chris, I want to segue on that point that you did get back into coaching at at the Division I level at St. Joseph's um, as a graduate assistant to start, obviously now, and on the video side and coaching side of things. But a lot of young professionals in this industry desire to reach that D1 job right away, kind of as we talked about earlier. That's the dream and the vision and obviously for you, it didn't happen right away. It took a lot of time um, at, at different levels and being away from the game. So just kind of share with us, how did you remain patient in that process and finally get that position at the D1 level? Mm. Once I once I decided to trust God in 2017, bro, like I really didn't look back on that. Mm. Like I that's, that was where um, I was kind of put in. My stake in the ground, and I was I was going I was going to die on that hill. Yeah, uh, and just really trusting God to make a way in, yeah. and, and and open up doors and, mm. and 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 really just like allow like the things that I prayed for and that I put before Him and that I dreamed about the things that I feel like He's placed on my heart and placed people around me to 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 speak into my life. Like I just trusted those things and knew mm. like that that God is faithful. Mm. Um, and that, um, like, is what's what's the scripture is like? Uh, I think Moa was talking. Uh, no, I said Moa. No, I'm thinking about David and Psalms. And David is like, 
who am I that you are like who are we that you are mindful of us hmm. right that God cares about yeah his children and like just knowing like like I'm putting these things before God and I'm not like my prayers aren't falling on deaf ears and God sees my journey and I see all these little hmm. steps along the way and all these little tiny spaces where I could see like God there and I could see God there and I could see God there and it's just like you just hold on to this hope hmm. in him yeah. more than you do into like the dream hmm. like it, you just transfer it from like okay all of my hope is just into like coaching and, and but like and then you just you just transfer and you, you take that same hope and because we all have it it's all burning within us and we just transfer it over to him Hmm. Um, when you put it, when you give it to him, it's, it's, it works in his time. Yeah. Like I read, I read this yesterday and I got this book from, um, actually from Scott Drew after the athletes in action breakfast, um, at the final four in Houston. And I was reading them on just get, getting into the third chapter, but at the end of chapter two, uh, Scott Drew says, I'm reminded once again about, about how great God is and to always trust his plan and his timing hmm. even when it might seem like it's causing you to let go of something important what god has for you is always better than anything you can do on your own hmm. amen and then he, and then he closes it by saying because he was talking about his dad and how his dad walked away from he said because hmm. my dad because while my dad did walk away from the spotlight of big time college basketball in pursuit of a faith and family centered life, hmm. the spotlight still found him. Wow. And so it's it's just it's just like you remain patient by knowing that like that, that God's God's way is just better. Yes. It's, I couldn't have the way that I've gotten to this point, like it's nothing that I would have written out and planned out. Yeah. But it's beautiful. 100%. And it works and it's a testimony that's uh, that's that can encourage others. Mm. Yeah. Only God can do that. Yeah. And so it's just, it was, it really, man, it was just by, by trusting God. Yeah. It's by trusting him. Absolutely. And Chris, I love that last point too, of the plans that we often make. And, and I think that is so normal as humans, right? Is, is we, is we have a, a 10 step plan for our lives, right? Get married at this day, have kids at this time, get this job then. And so often those plans don't really work the way we actually basically every time it's not it's not just here and there it's basically every time we make plans God has different things for us and um, oftentimes it's better and and I appreciate you sharing that even though there was ups and downs in your journey and it wasn't a straight line um, that you're grateful for it and and Chris even a follow up question I, I thought of was the role you you jumped into initially at St. Joseph's was graduate assistant, right? And a lot of people would think, oh, well, after all those years of coaching, how could you go back to being a grad <laughs> assistant? So just share with me, what was the sacrifices you made for that? And how did you humble yourself to step into that role, even at your age and with your experience? Man, me, me and Coach Lang and I, we joked about it uh, when we talked about me coming here. And he said, Chris, are you sure you want to do this? He actually tried to talk me out of it, even though he wanted to hire me. And he was like, um, are you sure you want to do this, bro? Like, you're going to be the oldest grad assistant in the country, maybe of all time in the history of college <laughs> basketball. At at that time, it was like I was 35 or 36 years old. And um, and I just, it just felt like, again, this was a moment where it didn't make sense. Like, I'm on full-time staff with FCA. Mm. You know, I have a decent salary. 
I'm able to be around the game and and uh, impact lives. And it's just my wife was on board. She pushed me. Uh, you know, she was a big part of me taking this opportunity, and she believed in the possibilities of it. And um, so we left Charlotte, North Carolina, and we moved to Philadelphia. And so I go from, um, you know, full-time staff making a nice salary to a GA and making under $1,000 a month. Wow. Um, and it really looked like, like to a lot of people, it didn't make sense. But mm. it didn't make sense when God told Noah to build the ark. Yeah. Because the world was going to flood. And so it's just like... I. I really I, I, I stand on those things. Um, there's just so many scriptures that help to sustain me mm-hmm. and, and, and give me life and, and, and be like my daily bread. It's just like standing on so many of those words and those promises of God, mm-hmm. you know, to Jeremiah is like, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans mm-hmm. to give you hope in the future. Proverbs 3 um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. Mm-hmm. In all your ways, acknowledge him and, and he'll direct your path. And it's like all of these di- different things. It's like, man, I just, it's it was it was a sacrifice. It was a challenge, but mm-hmm. I just wasn't going back on, on trusting God. It's like he's gotten us this far. Like, yeah. he's not going to fail us. Like, let's double down. Like, yeah. we a lot of times we we so quick to, like, better on ourselves. And I was confident in betting on myself, yeah, because I knew who I was. I knew who I ultimately was betting on. I know who lives in me, yeah. Um, and so I just felt like it was a uh, it was a win win. But it was just it was crazy, yeah. you know, how that happened. Because to a lot of people, even really close family and friends, it didn't make sense. Mm. Yeah, I I really love that testimony, Chris, because it is. I think it shows a lot of humility on your end, right? One, to, to be able to, at your experience level and age, to say, yeah, I, I can take maybe this step down, in, in the eyes of many people, a step down um, to this position. But at the same time, you knew what God had and you trusted him, right? And for so many young people, it's hard to trust God because you feel like everything's in your hands and that you're in control. And I think mm-hmm. that's a false false sense of understanding how, how much you're in control because truly we don't have much control, a little bit, but not very much, right? And so... I, I just love your story, Chris. I think top to bottom, it really shows a trust in God, but especially in this instance of having to, to take a step back in, in many people's eyes to, to really leap forward right into where you are now. And so um, I guess another follow-up, Chris, to that is, you know, obviously you're, you were in that role as a grad assistant, now you're a video specialist. Being the younger guy on staff, you know, being the guy that, that's newer to the staff and really, you know, kind of lower on the totem pole in many people's eyes, how did you have the, the, the faith and confidence to be open about your beliefs in Christ and, and to live that out. I feel like that's a challenge for young people. It's like, oh, I'm the grad assistant. I'm the manager. I'm I'm the video guy. I don't feel like I can really, you know, be open about this because, you know, my, my staff doesn't believe the same way these players don't believe. So how did you kind of gain that confidence to be open? Yeah, I think, I think it's about the depth of your belief. Yes. Um, when you know, like for without a shadow of a doubt, you know for a fact what God has brought you through. Yep. Um, you can't keep quiet. And yep. you have to you you have to share it. I think about the woman at the well. Mm. Right. And when Jesus told her like her her life, and she was convinced in that moment, and she's like, and she ran off and would tell anybody 
who would listen. Yes. And even if they weren't listening, she still would tell them. Yeah. Um, because she knew. Hmm. And so I think it's, I think it's about the depth of your belief. Yeah. Um, and so that's 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 how I'm able to do it because I know all the many things that God has 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 brought me through. Hmm. How gracious and kind and forgiving uh, and merciful He's been. How loving yeah. He's been. Um, how he's been a, a, a faithful friend, how he's been a constant provider, mm. how he's protected me. Um, mm. It's just, man, it's it's so many, it's the depth of your belief. When you know, yeah, you can't hold that stuff back. 100%. Uh, God is so good. And so you, you can't share it because you don't want other people, you want other people to be able to experience it. Yes. Almost Absolutely. like how... How can they know if we won't go? How how would they know if we don't if we don't tell them? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and then and then exhibit it. Um, yes. They won't. And so like that's the opportunity, really, that we have. Hmm. It's a beautiful opportunity that we have to 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 help others to know. So yes, yeah. absolutely, Chris. And you know, truly, I think that your point is amazing. That it's the depth, right? It's understanding what what God has done along your journey, and then I think as well. Just knowing that that he's bigger than basketball, right? And if, if we choose to please people around us or to you know succumb to their views on how we should live and act, then then God's not our God. People are our God, right? And and we're we're substituting that. And so I oh. think I think it's obviously as what you said, the depth of of what you believe and not being able to be quiet about it, and and as well too just understanding that it's so much bigger than what anybody thinks it's it's the truth right and we need to share about our god and, and how amazing he is so love that point chris love that perspective and and i think for going back on the testimony point and where we started the podcast that if if you understand what god has done in your journey you're going to be really willing and, and excited to share about that and it, it's your testimony um, and so i think that's a huge part of it as well yeah and Chris, really a, a huge part of any career in sports, and obviously for you as well, is, is mentors and having good people in your life who are willing to guide you, pour into you, help you grow as a coach and an individual. And so share with us, who have been those mentors for you along the journey, and, and how have you benefited from those relationships? Man, that's, a, that's, that's really a hard one because um, when, you're, when you're the mentor, like as the coach, yeah. It's, uh, it seems like you're always on on the end of the giving um, mm. and not so much receiving, which is there's there's a lot of good that can come from that, because I learn as much from my players as I probably can teach them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I've been really blessed and fortunate to have a wonderful wife who is always speaking life into me. Yeah. Um, wouldn't be have gotten to this point without her. Um, so I, I would, I would, I actually would, she's my peer, but I would like, I would look at, I look at her as a mentor in some ways. Mm. Um, awesome. I have like, you know, other friends who I'm able to have conversations with coach Lang, mm. who's a man of faith, um, is a mentor to me. Um, so I, it's, it's been so many people like along the journey. Um, I can't say like, it's just one person who I, or a few people who I talk to consistently other than Coach Lane because we work together and we, you know, have a really a, a strong relationship. But, mm. um, I mean, I think that's why, I like, books, reading is important. Like, right now, Scott Drew is a mentor to yeah. me just through reading his book. Like, Absolutely. I, I, I would like to say that I come from the John Wooden coaching tree. If there's a coaching tree that I come from, like, 
because that was the person who I read like his words and what mm-hmm. he put on the pages and his philosophies yeah. um, and, and what coaching is about. Um, so I would say that he's a mentor. I would say Coach Brown have this thing that uh, <laughs> I made this for one of my my grad school classes, um, and uh, it's it's like my own little personal Hall of Fame. Mm. And so like, it's just guys who it's quotes from people who I respect and admire. Yeah. And so I have like Kobe Bryant in here. I have Martin Luther King Jr. here. And I just, I kind of flip through this stuff every day. I got Bruce Lee in here, Coach Wooden, Malcolm X, Jesus Christ. Like it's, it's so many people like hmm. that. I just kind of, just kind of allowed to, to pour into me through the work that they've left. Hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I got, a, I got, a, I guess I got a ton of mentors. I love that, Chris. I love that. And and truly, I think mentorship is the driving force behind growth, right? I mean, you think about all the people, parents are mentors. Uh, obviously, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is a mentor. If you read the scriptures, you will be mentored 100%. Yes. And, you know, I think I think young people struggle to value mentorship, especially in this virtual post-COVID world. I feel like relationships are just not valued to the same level as they once were. And obviously, in coaching, in in really in any industry, it's important to have people that are going to go and, and go to bat for you and, and, and fight for you and help you along the journey because it's not an industry where you just apply online and, you know, on LinkedIn and that's how you get a job in coaching. <laughs> it's not, it's not it's how all it about works. relationships. It's all about relationships. And, and so I, I just would encourage our listeners to learn from you and, and from a lot of coaches who have had mentors who guide them, um, obviously spiritually first and, and most importantly, but secondly on that professional level as well. Um, of learning how to coach the game, learning how to recruit, learning how to be a professional, right? Media and those different things. And, and as well, just finding those opportunities. So I'd, I'd say mentorship is a huge part of, huge. of being a coach at this level. So I appreciate huge. you sharing that. And Chris, another common challenge of working in sports, and I'm sure especially for you in the stage of life you're in right now, is finding that good balance between work and being a great coach and an available coach but also mm. being great at the personal side of life where you're investing in family, wife, church, and just personal things that you enjoy. And so how have you been able to navigate that challenge of, hey, I, I want to be in the office as much as I can, available for my guys, but I also got stuff at home as well that I'm trying to balance? Man, I, I honestly, very, I, I got to do better. I'm, if my wife was on the call, she'd tell you too. Because <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's diving in and we're at a point where we're just trying to like build and grow. Yeah. Um, but the things that the things that I do do is you just try to build in time. And I've yeah. learned that to like uh, you got to schedule things. and They got to be non-negotiable. Hmm. Like I can't if I schedule date night dinner with my wife. Like I can't back out of it. Yeah. Um, nothing else can come before. It's already scheduled in. It's the same way if I had a, a meeting scheduled with my head coach, I'm not about to say, hey, coach, I'm, you know, something else came up. And so you treat it uh, with the same level of respect. Hmm. Um and I think that's what it what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, and so it's like building in, you know, different points on the calendar. Like my wife gets it and she understands like how demanding is, is what we signed up for. It is. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's still healthy to, to build up time where uh, we're able to kind of like get some separation. And I think the way that you, you do it in a in a way that's beneficial is you just have to be present. Yeah. And so when I'm here. I'm fully present. And when I go home, I have to be fully present. Mm. And so it's just when when you are where you are, it's being fully present. Because if I'm at home but I'm still 
think about work the entire time, then there is no balance. Mm. Uh, I don't know yeah. that. I don't even know if like balance is the is the word that I would use, but it's just like just trying to be present yeah. in every moment and um and and understanding like what really matters. Like I was mm. watching something yesterday, and the guy was just talking about like an ordeal that his wife had, and thinking that she might pass away, pass away, and she didn't, but. The moments while he was waiting, he realized like the pursuit of the money and the mm. positions and the status and popularity. Like in those moments while he was waiting to see what his wife's fate was going to be, none of that stuff mattered. Yeah. So if it didn't matter then, like now that she made it, why would it matter now? Yeah. And so, um, just I think realizing what truly matters mm. and knowing that you know there are seasons where you're going to be more busy than others, but there's times when you don't have to be as busy and you have to take mm. advantage of those. Yeah. So well said, Chris. And I, I had a mentor once in my life. He he said, if you're going to coach, right, and you're going to have a family, you're going to have a wife, it's got to be a lifestyle for everyone. You got Everyone has to be on board. And, you know, right. I think really what I learned from that is, is when you're in this industry, to your point, right, balance isn't really the right word. It's not an eight hour, yeah. nine to five, or you go home and you have oh. that, that period of time. And even on top of that, there's the travel aspect of it. And so, you got to have, to your point, the the presence of when I'm home, I'm home. When I'm on date night, I'm on date night, whatever it is. But, you know, when you're coaching the same thing, right, you're, you're leading, you're doing your work. And, and I think the lifestyle aspect of it just really clicked with me of your your spouse, your family's got to be on board, right, because it is it is a different it's a different industry. It's, it's a different responsibility and, and just time that you're going to be in the office. But, you know, Chris, yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing the struggle that you have as well because n- nobody has this down down pat so i appreciate yeah. you sharing that and coach, coach lane would one thing that he would talk about as a mentor is just like chris like just it's about organization and yeah. it's really about cutting out the fat yes. in your life because um you just want to be you want to make things as lean as possible mm. and so um when you do that you're able to have you know more balance mm. i would say uh just by just your, the level of organization that you have yeah it's going to determine like if you're wasting time or if you have, you know, time to actually spend because mm-hmm. you've kind of prioritized it and organized it the right way. So it's cutting out the fat might be, you know, social media is easy yeah, to still, absolutely. you know what I mean, an hour or two or three or five, like depending on the person mm-hmm. uh, where you won't have to be trying to cram in all this work where you could actually be having some family time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's very cutting true. out the fat very true and time is your greatest capital right and so how, how are you organizing that and utilizing that i, I appreciate Absolutely. that point chris and lastly chris i just would love to hear from you what advice would you give a young coach or a young professional in sports who's listening to this podcast as they're just getting started in their careers within sports hmm. it's two things um i think they, they're they're connected hmm. one you have to have a why like you have to have a why um and you have to know that why and you have to live it out um because like you said earlier it's like if if it's if it's not about like loving the work or and loving the people like if that's not your why you're going to be burnt out there's not there's not going to be enough money like i've seen so many people Hmm. like walk away from the game because like they weren't making enough money, which I get. I understand. Like mm-hmm. we all have situations and finances. I don't knock anybody for mm-hmm. their financial decisions. But like for me, the reason why I was I'm, I've been able to stay in it, like and for and have the endurance to mm-hmm. 
to keep going is because I didn't get into it for money. Mm. And so not getting a certain amount of money won't make me not do it. I got into it because I love impacting the lives of other people. Yeah. And so it's, it's having a why. And that why will help you to endure mm. whatever comes along the way. And the reason why I think it's connected, because the other thing is, like, I would tell young coaches, just serve. Hmm. Like, just be a servant. Nice. Um, servant leadership is everything. It literally, it literally is everything. Because as a servant, you're a leader. Like, like you're, 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 you're helping people. You're meeting them where they are. It's not about, like, just... I think people get uh, greatness confused all the time. And I love when Jesus explained it. And he said, like, yeah. the, he was telling um, the sons of thunder, um, was it, uh, James and John. And he told them, like, they were like, well, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? And he was just like, we don't, like, that's that's the way, like, the the world does it. Like, they, yeah. they, they, they try to lord over each other and have these high positions. And he said, it won't be like that among you. He was like, among you, like, the greatest among you will be your servant. Mm. Just seeing yes. the greatness, seeing the greatness in, in servanthood, um, and honestly, that's—I mean, you, God will can, will elevate you, and you will prosper just by serving other people. And so that's the—I think—the best advice I could give to anyone that may be listening or or that's in this profession or, and, and want to continue to be a part of it. Like, just serve. Nobody mm-hmm. is going to not want to promote you or to fire you or let you go because you're too good of a servant. Yes. Right. The, the, the problem comes when we feel like we're too big to serve. Yes. Uh, And then that's when, you know, that's when things happen. They don't go in our favor. So I would just Mm -hmm. say, just serve. Yeah. Just serve your players, serve your program, serve Mm -hmm. the other coaches, serve other people. That's just a part of um, Mm -hmm. the department serve yeah. the custodians serve like everybody like just just be a servant and you and you you'll be shocked how much joy that you get hmm. from serving others yeah so much joy so, so much joy yeah, and that's 100 and i think with both of those chris you, you really think about the life of jesus and, and that's really what was going through my mind when you were sharing that is he had a why right and, and his why was one serve the father in obedience and two is to do the work that he was sent to do, which was to go to the cross and, and pay the price for our sin and then servant, right? I mean, Jesus even said himself, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so if the son of God can can serve his, his creation, then I think we have an obligation as his followers to do the same. And, and I, th- I think, you know, Chris, I'm just encouraged. I'm encouraged and inspired by what you're doing in this industry. I think for our listeners they all desire to be what you what you are, right? Of someone who's in this industry, who who's having an impact for something bigger than just the game and wins and losses. It's really for Christ. And so, I've appreciated your time today, and I've appreciated your your wisdom, and I pray that it impacts the listeners. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry as followers of Christ, apply for our academy on our website at uncommonsg.org that's uncommonsg.org be sure to catch new episodes of the uncommon podcast every other week on thursdays at midnight eastern time until next time we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of god in whatever 
you may do. See you next time.